more John Chuckery. He's in the zone. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Back at a John Chuckery Show, live in the Kia Studios. Final hour of the program is the start of the Brown Liquor Music Hour. Little Doja Cat to get us going here. It's a good song, man. This is a great song. Yeah. Yeah, this is this is this is really good. So 404-741-0929. That's our Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. Odyssey app site, you catch us on the go. Social media is at 929 the game on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. I'm at JMCH316. He is at underscore Dylan Matthews. We'll talk some Braves baseball with you here in uh, just a little bit. We can open the phone lines back up to you as well as we did earlier on in the show. First, though, let's get to an NFL squib kick. Take a look at the NFL with the squib kick with John Chuckery. Sports Radio 92.9, the game. This is an interesting story that (laughs) before the start of or before last season, the uh, CBS was going to have an intervention with Tony Romo before the 2022 season. So they talk about here in this story that Tony Romo, or, or sorry, the, um, the what is this, uh, the former uh, Cowboys quarterback who burst on the scene in 27 as a, 2017 as a breath of fresh air, has quickly assumed the aroma of rotting rock bass, they say, based upon the instant assessments made during every game on social media by fans and pundits alike. Romo has taken repeated body blows in the aftermath of Sunday's AFC Championship game, which Andrew Marchand of the New York Post said on his podcast that um, they've been aware of Romo's slippages, and they referenced the fact that CBS attempted an intervention with Romo during the 2022 offseason, but that things did not get better. There's kind of a fine line between unconventional and undisciplined, Marshawn said on the podcast. And they say it's unclear what happened with Romo specifically, but, um, you know, he was given a 10-year, $180 million contract by CBS in, in 2020. And, you know, the funny thing is Mike Bell was asking me this the other day that has Romo's shtick kind of gotten old? And... You know, I I don't I don't think so. I mean, I guess I don't pay as close of attention to what the broadcasters and things like that are saying, but certainly there are fewer people that you know enjoy his you know I don't know calling the plays beforehand and just the kind of tone and tenor of how he calls a game, you know, and it's just kind of one of those things that you know maybe he's got to come up with a, you know, as they say in the wrestling business, go away and learn a new hold. Maybe he needs to learn a new hold. You know, maybe maybe he needs to learn a new hold or something like that. But I like Tony Romo. I think he does a good job. Um, I like Greg Olson. I think he does a really good job. But, you know, I if you're, if you're turning, if you're turning, if you are tuning in intently for the broadcasters on a game, I don't know what to tell you. 
Uh, Romo told the uh, New York Post that um, I think you're always evolving. I mean, some changes are good. Sometimes you're like, eh, I shouldn't do that. But I always trial and error a bunch, and sometimes it works. Okay. Well, look, you know, we'll see with Tom Brady if he actually does the Fox gig or stuff like that. And I I like Greg Olson. I, I like him a lot. I mean, again, I don't intently dissect every detail. What When announcers are, are bad, then they seem to really stand out. When the announcers are good, they don't, you know, I don't, I guess, I don't want to say pay attention to them is the right way to phrase it, but... You know, when, when guys are egregious about either their homerism, you know, we get that a lot in baseball, the Ron Darlings of the world and stuff like that. You know, if you're not with the Mets, you know, then everybody, you know, if it's the Braves and the Mets, then the Mets, you know, are the greatest thing. And, you know, the, who's the guy that, um, oh, gosh, who's the guy that did the uh, playoffs a few years ago for TBS? And, you know, he would talk about the Dodgers and just like they were the you know greatest organization in the world. And then. It was just kind of blasé about it. And maybe when your home team is, you know, in the crosshairs of it all, you hear a different way. But I like Romo. I like Greg Olson. I don't know what, you know, is going to happen to Tom Brady when all is said and done. But I like those guys that, that they have. And, you know, Romo – or, uh, sorry, uh, Greg Olson's going to be on the Super Bowl here uh, in just, what, a week from Sunday. So – so Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't look like he will be back with the 49ers. The 49ers head coach, Kyle Shanahan, kind of made it clear yesterday that Garoppolo and the Niners are finally going to go through um, separating themselves from one another. Asked whether there was any scenario in which he could see Garoppolo returning to Frisco in 2023. Shanahan did not mince words, quote, no, I don't see any scenario of that. Okay. Now, you look at the quarterback situation for the 49ers. Obviously, Trey Lance is trying to come back from a big injury. Obviously, Brock Purdy is going to have Tommy John surgery. And, you know, while they kept saying six months, six months, six months, I'm not sure he's going to return at all next year. So, maybe Jimmy Garoppolo is looking at, okay, I can get a big-time payday in the NFL, and, and maybe that's more important than, you know, winning. I don't I don't know. But um, it does seem interesting that with what their quarterback situation is and, and how binged up, or dinged up and how banged up that they are at their quarterback spot, maybe Garoppolo would be an answer. He certainly led him to a Super Bowl a few years ago. So, uh, And I'm not sold on Trey Lance. I mean – I know there's a lot of hype and a lot of hoopla and everything like that about him, but I'm not really as sold on Trey Lance. I mean, we'll see what, what happens, but um, certainly they've got a lot of injured quarterbacks that, that they have to figure out. But I don't know I don't know where Garoppolo's ideal landing spot is, you know, really at this point. I mean, let me put it this way. If, if you're thinking about him for the Falcons, I, I don't think he's a I don't think he's I don't think he'd come to the Atlanta Falcons. He'd he'd won a lot of money. Um, and you're not going to give Desmond Ritter a shot at that point if you pay him good money. Like, Garoppolo's not going to be a backup anywhere. Garoppolo's going to be a number one quarterback for whatever franchise that uh, that he gets into. So uh, he's not coming here to be a backup. All right, uh, RIP to uh, Hall of Fame NFL executive Bobby Bethard, who uh, obviously was instrumental in 
you know, building the um, building the Washington Redskins uh, and that franchise. You know, obviously they hired Joe Gibbs as head coach in '81, and then he was one of the guys that just built that whole organization. He drafted multiple Hall of Fame uh, players. Uh, they won Super Bowls in '82 and '87. Uh, from uh, let's see, who's this here? Um, the commander said in a statement, "Quote." Bobby was a man of extraordinary class and integrity and was the architect behind the greatest teams in this organization's history. He cared deeply about everyone he worked with and will always uh, and with and always put the team first. Bobby is rightfully enshrined in, enshrined in the Pro Football Hall of Fame and the Washington Ring of Fame and will go down as one of the greatest executives in NFL history. And for a long time, you know, he was kind of the gold standard, right? He was kind of the gold standard for what the what the Redskins organization was and leading them to prominence and things like that. And yes, they, and, and by the way, they were the Redskins then. Okay. So if you're butt hurt by that, sorry, go look in the history books. They were the Redskins then. Okay. They weren't the commanders until what, two years ago. They were the Redskins for 130 years up until that point. So anyway, and I hope somebody's butt hurt by uh, all of that. Um, Chargers owner Dean Spanos said in a statement, Bob is one of the best judges of football talent in NFL history. Uh, for the most part, that alone would be enough, but for Bobby Beathard, it doesn't nearly do the man justice. Uh, Bobby was a man we all aspire to be, a friendly, caregiving, thoughtful human being who brought uh, people from all walks of life uh, together. And uh, he retired from the, uh, or he retired from football in the year 2000, and then, of course, he went into the uh, NFL Hall of Fame. So, R.I.P. to Bobby Beathard, but he was one of the great executives in in my youth in, in building the Redskins' legacy. This is interesting. Jerry Jones saying that he thinks the Eagles and the Rams had a all-in win-it scenario and, you know, the heck with draft picks and things like that. So Jones said that both the Rams and Eagles went all-in this year to win it, but Jerry's and the Jerry and the Cowboys have been built for the long term. Okay, anybody who thinks I won't take a chance has misread the tea leaves, but I do think longer term, and I'm real hesitant to bet it all for one year. There's a lot of things that can happen for that year. In essence, we're seeing that we're seeing a couple of teams that have had some real success putting it all out there and paying for it later in Philadelphia and L.A. How are the Eagles not built they, for the long term? Right. They have a top 10 draft pick this year. How, their quarterback is, what, a $40 million quarterback that they traded for and gave up three picks? Oh, that's the Rams. Oh, their quarterback's a second-round draft pick that doesn't even have a fifth-year option. Oh. And how many young Devontae Smith, uh, A.J. Brown. Right. They they ain't got – I mean, they paid A.J. Brown, but they didn't draft Devontae Smith, you know, a year ago. and They just drafted Jordan Davis. Yeah, and Nicole Dean. Dean. They they haven't built through the draft. They, they just drafted some uh, – They like, not too long ago, I think they drafted Jordan Mailata, who's their starting uh, left tackle now, I believe. Like, Well, look, Jerry's looking for glory hole. That That's what he's trying to find. So – He's trying to find himself. I I, I, I got to find myself some glory hole. I got to find some glory hole for all of it. Yeah, I, I don't understand. Comparing the Rams, and by the way, 
here's the thing about the Rams. Well, I'll listen. I'll I'll ex- look. Ten forty. I'll explain about the Rams because there's this m- miss. What is what do I want to say? Misperception is that a word? Misconception. Misconception about the Rams and and what's happened over the last few years. I'll I'll explain that at ten forty. When we get back, though, we can open up the phone lines to you at 404-741-0929. Asking you a Braves question. Who's got the most to prove this year for the Atlanta Braves? Chuck Green, the Kia Studios, Sports Radio 92.9 The Game, the Odyssey.com app. Back to more John Chuckery. No, 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 I'm having a good time. Having a good time. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Sports Radio 92.9, the game. Back out of the John Chuckery Show, hanging on the Key Studios. Got to take it to the top of the hour. JR Sports Brief coming up after us. Brown Liquor Music Hour rolling right along. 404-741-0929. That is both our phone line and our Solomon Brothers Diamond text line if you want to call in. We'll take your calls in this segment. As we're asking the question, who's got the most to prove for the Atlanta Braves? Odyssey app site, catch us on the go. Social media is at 929 The Game on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. I'm at JMCH316. He's at underscore Dylan Matthews. So when we talk about the Atlanta Braves, and look, I still think that they are the team to beat in the National League East, you know, despite what our caller had said earlier about, you know, the Philadelphia Phillies. I mean, I, I've seen the Mets and the Phillies, and they've spent all this money over the last couple of years and they've still not won the division. The Braves have still won five straight divisions. And and simply by the fact of keeping your core together and, and not having to go out and get a lot of overpriced guys that, you know, either come in and do something or not do nothing. But when you look at the Braves this year, you know, and there's still some question marks. Certainly at shortstop is a question mark, right? You know, certainly if Vaughn Grissom can handle the everyday shortstop duties, that's a good thing, but maybe they go get a veteran. Certainly left field is a an issue that it's either Rosario or one of these other vagabonds or, you know, God forbid, Marcelo Zuna that goes out there. You know, there's still some still some questions. You know, frankly, you know, DH in, in some ways, you know. Um, you know, the Sean Murphy and Travis Darno, okay. You know, I mean, I like Murphy's bat and, you know, He'll obviously play the majority of catcher for this team. But, you know, if Darno struggles or whatever like that, what's your other answer? So there's certainly some questions about the Braves. And then, you know, some guys that are coming back from injury or, you know, were hampered by injury last year. So when I look at the Braves, I say to myself that I think the guy that's got the most to prove is not Ronald Acuna Jr. It It's Ozzie Albies. Now, if you look at Ronnie's numbers last year, okay, Ronnie played in 119 games. If you extrapolate that over to 162-game season, he would still have been almost 100 runs scored, like 96, 97 runs scored, over 30 doubles, over 20 homers, almost 40 steals, and even as hampered as he was and as limited as he was, he still had 266 with a 351 on base and a 413 um, 
slugging percentage with a 764 OPS. Now, is that Ronald Cunha Jr. like? No, but even in a year where he was coming off of an injury and we certainly know that he was limited both in the field and some of the things that he did, you know, he missed a good bit of time. He still was able on a per-game basis, still a productive player. Like, he still did a lot of good things. I mean, you know, again, if you're over 162-game season and you're put up 100 runs and you're a 350-plus on-base guy and almost 40 steals, that's the numbers you want. You know, maybe the power wasn't exactly there, but if you're a 20-home run hitter in the leadoff spot and 30-plus doubles, you know, that's, that's good numbers. I think the guy that's got the most to prove is Ozzie Albies in getting back to what he was. You know, two of the last three seasons have been sort of lost for Ozzie Albies. But the one season that was last year, you know, or not, you know, not this past season, but in 2021, you know, that was 40 doubles, 30 homers, 106 RBI, 103 runs scored. He, he scored his second most runs ever. He had his largest RBI total ever. He was a 40-double guy again, and he was a 30-home run hitter for the first time. And look, Ozzy's never going to have huge batting averages and huge on-base percentages and stuff like that. Oh, and by the way, he stole 20 bases that year. He was a 30-20 guy. I think he's the guy that has to get back into solidifying that infield. And if we look at Michael Harris – and Ronald Acuna Jr. hitting in those top two spots, you know, you, you've got to have some depth to your lineup, and, you know, we'll see what Rosario bounces back to do. I don't know about Marcelo Zuna. You know, Travis Darno probably slows down at some bit, but to have that deeper lineup, you need Ozzy back in the fold, and you need that run production through the middle of your lineup. And you've seen Ozzy, we saw a few years ago when he was hitting that two spot, you know, where Dan, you know, where last year Dansby occupied that. And I think that Ozzy's a more middle of the order hitter because you take advantage of his power. And he doesn't have a great on base percentage. He's not a great on base guy. He's only been, his highest on base is 352, and that was in 2019. No, I should say. His rookie season when he played only, what, 57 games, in it was, that was 354. But he's, he's only a 322 on-base guy for his career. You like having guys that get on base at the top two spots of your order, right? And, and Ronnie certainly has excelled at, you know, if even if the power is down, getting on base, drawing walks, things like that. But I think Ozzy's got the most to prove coming off of, two out of the last three seasons being injured. You know, even in the pandemic year, in the 60-game season, he only played 29 games that year. So you got the 156-game season wedged in between there, but it was 29 games the year before that and 64 last year. That's barely over half of a season, you know, in two of the last three years that he's had. But if he can get back to that 2021 season where he was Silver Slugger winner, All-Star, 13th in the MVP voting. You know, he was arguably the best offensive second baseman in the game. And when you're 40 doubles, 30 homers, 100 runs, 100 RBI, 
20 steals. You know, you're at that elite level of, you know, premium offensive players for a middle infield position. So 404-741-0929. That's both our Solomon Brothers Diamond text line and our phone line if you want to jump on and be a part uh, of the show. Let's grab uh, Josh out in Cartersville. What's going on, Josh? Hey, John. How you doing? Good, buddy. So uh, I agree with you on the Aussie thing uh, for the on-field, uh, who's got something to prove. But um, for off-the-field thing, uh, I think Austin Riley has something to prove as being a leader in the uh, locker room now that Dansby has gone. So I think he's the one that needs to step up and be that voice in the locker room. Yeah, and look, they've lost a couple of their real kind of key leadership pieces, right? Freddie and Dansby over the last couple of seasons. You know, who assumes that role? Now, I I would tell you, I think Brian Snitker looks at it as like a, how do I say, like a collaborative effort by lots of guys, right? But certainly Dansby and Freddie have been, you know, really kind of two of the big-time leaders of this organization. And, look, the good thing is is that I don't know that you really have agendas for some guys. You got you got just about everybody on this roster that's going to be together for years, right? You've you've got Riley under contract, Harris under contract, Strider. You know, really the only guy that's not under contract that's one of your real core pieces is Max Freed, right? So you've got most of your core, Matt Olson and everybody like that. You've got most of your core that's going to be together for several years. So, you know, it's one of those things that while I think that they certainly – I think that they will certainly miss Dansby off the field, but certainly on the field as well because you just don't replace arguably the best defensive shortstop in the game and certainly the gold glove winner from last year. But I do get your point that, you know, Dansby, Dansby, Freddie over the last couple of years, those are two of the guys that were stalwarts of this organization, you know, and they were – they were guys that, you know, were, you know, clubhouse leaders, on-the-field leaders, whatever that you want to say from it. It'll be interesting to see what this team looks like this year because they're in their World Series or bust mode right now, right? Like, we're in our World Series or bust mode. And, yeah, I mean, last year was – disappointing and they didn't make the world series coming off of the world series championship. You know, they got to get back to that level. I don't care if they win 85 games, 101 games, whatever. I mean, it doesn't matter what the win toll is just getting in the playoffs and getting, getting further along than what they did last year, you know, cause you're in that window. You've got your core locked up. You're in that window when you got so many guys that are in their prime. Uh, let's grab Michael out in Decatur. What's going on, Michael? Hey, Tucker, how are you doing? Good, buddy. Good, good. Hey, huge Braves fan here. Um, I, I'm thinking Eddie Rosario has something to prove more than anybody else. Um, there was a lot of respect out of him, you know, for last year. Um, understanding the eye, energy, eye, the eye surgery, surgery was um, could have been an impact. Don't know, but I know he was much. He's a much better better player than than he than his stats show last year throughout his career. Yeah, certainly. Look, the eye surgery was a situation that 
you know, really hampered him. I think he was hitting like 058 before the eye surgery. But even when he came back from all of that, his numbers didn't skyrocket or anything that, you know, they were very pedestrian. And certainly we expected more coming off of, what was it, Dylan, the uh, NLCS MVP, right? He was the NLCS MVP. Uh, Jorge Soler was the World Series MVP. Rosario was the NLCS MVP, where they nobody could get him out. He was just unstoppable in that series against the Dodgers. But we certainly expect more, and he's going to be your left fielder to start the year. Like, they're going to trot him out there when – of this upcoming season. He'll be the starting left fielder, barring any other drastic trades or anything like that, or if they, you know, can find a way to move on from Marcelo Zuna or whatever. But Rosario right now is probably scheduled to be your everyday left fielder, and then they'll plug and play. Who's the guy, the, the Luplo kid or whatever, Luplo kid or whatever, uh, Jordan Luplo or whatever, you know, he's – you know, he's not a very good, you know, offensive player, but it's, you know, he's a decent glove out there. But certainly Rosario's got a lot to prove. Just, if nothing else, for him personally, right? To get back on track personally to what he was. And obviously he was a very productive player for years in Minnesota, Cleveland. But it was a lost season for sure last year for Eddie Rosario. Uh, when we get back, uh, I'm going to first explain this Rams deal, you know, the Jerry Jones quote about the Rams, you know, I don't know, selling out to get in the Super Bowl and all that. But uh, there's a twist on on all of that as well. Chuck Green, the Kia Studios, head to the top of the hour. JR Sports Brief up next. Sports Radio Network to the game, honestly.com. No Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. Back with the John Chuckery Show, hanging out in the Key Studios. Top of the hour, JR Sports Brief coming up after us. We will be back tomorrow, short show, 7 to 8.30. Then we'll lead you into Hawks basketball coming up uh, in Utah. 8.30 pregame, 9 o'clock tip. Steve Holman and uh, Mike uh, Mike Connie will have the call for all of that. 404-741-0929. Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. Odyssey app site, catch us on the go. Social media, 92 on the game, at JMCH316 at underscore Dylan Matthews. I wanted to kind of explain this because it, it, it's going to take me a few minutes to. Jerry Jones had this quote where he talked about how, you know, the Eagles and the Rams were built for winning it this year and going all in and stuff like that, right? And the Cowboys are built for the long term. The thing that always gets lost about this, though, the Rams, yes, they went all in to win the Super Bowl. What happened in 2019 in the 2018-2019 season? 
How'd the Rams finish up? They won the Super Bowl. No. Oh, no, no, no. That, that, that's the season that they lost the in the Super Bowl, right? Right. Yeah. Okay. Now, how did the Rams – so this was players on their Super Bowl roster in the, in the 2018-2019 season. Right. How did the Rams acquire Jared Goff? They drafted him. How did they acquire Todd Gurley? They drafted him. How did they acquire Cooper Cup? They drafted him. How did they acquire Aaron Donald? Drafted him. How did they acquire Michael Brockers? They drafted him. Okay. So that's what's always lost in that discussion is, yes, they went all in to win it. But they were a Super Bowl roster. Like, they weren't some just fly-by-night, hey, let's just load up a dream team like in Philadelphia that one year and try to go win it. No, they were a Super Bowl-caliber roster that had already been there. The goal was now to, we can't get over that hump. How do we get over that hump and go win the thing? Let me ask you. The Rams won the Super Bowl last year, right? Right. Okay. Who was the offensive MVP of the league last year? I forget. Is it was it was it Matthew Stafford? No. No. Say oh. Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup. How'd they get him? Oh, they drafted him. Oh. Who was the MVP in the Super Bowl for the Rams? Was it not Cooper Cup? I don't believe it was. Or maybe, maybe, yes. Eh. Got to look that up. Yeah. But, okay, the guy, let me put it like this, Dylan. The guy who made the game-saving defensive play for the Rams. Oh, that's Aaron Donald. Oh, how'd they get him? They drafted him. Oh. Oh, okay. So, arguably, their single most important piece on offense and defense were guys that they drafted. MVP that, was Cooper Cup, okay, by the way. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so the MVP of the Super Bowl, how'd they get him? Oh, they uh, they drafted him. Oh, okay. So it once they got to the Super Bowl, then it was, okay, we're going to sell out. We're all in on winning the Super Bowl. That's a hell of a lot different than – you're a four-win team, or you're a wild-card at best team in the playoffs, like the Cowboys. Like, that's an entirely different conversation. We are in the Super Bowl. Now we just got to go win it. Versus, well, you know, we're seven wins one year, and we're nine wins another and all that, and but we're all in now. No, it's different. So, Jerry's – I always love when, when people talk about the Rams and how they – oh, well, the Rams don't have to, you know, have draft picks and all that. Yeah, because they had a Super Bowl roster. That's the second time in four years they were in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah, what, what did we go to the Super Bowl? 2016, 1998. So, what's the, what's the Falcons franchise? 66 is when it came into formation? What, what's the year? Now, let, let me do this math. 2022 minus 1966. 
What's the math on that? Pulling up my handy get down and calculator as we oh, wait. Here we geez. go. Hold on. One second. 2022 uh, minus 1966. 56. Okay. So we've had two appearances in 56 years. They had two appearances in four years. And, and I'm not even – they had won the Super Bowl and went two or three times yep. in, the, in the 90s with Kurt Warner and all those – and Folk. And then they were in the Super Bowl in 79 when they lost to the Rams. So forget all that stuff. I'm just talking the last four years. They made two appearances in four years. Yeah, when, you, when you're looking at making your second appearance in four years, you can sell out. You can be all in. So I, I, that, this whole narrative is false. You still have to build through the draft. And you look, if the Eagles don't win the Super Bowl, well, let me put it like this, okay? Is there, is there a chance that Kansas City could lose the Super Bowl this year? Okay. But they've been to the Super Bowl three of the last four years, right? Right. Okay. They can afford to go out and either sign guys or not sign guys, things like that, right? That's right. You know, they lost Tyreek Hill, who got, oh, my God, how much money did Tyreek Hill get? He like a $160 million or whatever it was, right? But you can do all those things when you're that level of franchise and you're in the Super Bowl or have won the Super Bowl or at that level. You can say F your draft picks. We can't do – that's why I bring this up about, you know, Lamar and Rodgers and all that kind of stuff. This team's not in a position to mortgage its future. This franchise is not in a position to mortgage everything that you can acquire. We're not a quarterback away from winning the Super Bowl, right? I mean, that's, you know, the Rams looked at Jared Goff was a nice quarterback. When he played well, they got to the Super Bowl, but they had to get, some, they had to get somebody who could get them over the hump. That's a lot different than we're 7-10 and 10 and looking at trading for a quarterback that isn't going to win us a Super Bowl anytime soon until we fix 49 million things, but you're not going to be able to fix all those things because you won't have as much money and you won't have your draft capital. See, that's the thing about, about that. Once you're at that, when you're at the level of the Eagles and the Chiefs and the Rams and stuff like that, you can say F your draft picks. You don't have to buy in. You know, that rookie draft pick for you is not probably going to make the same impact. You know, whatever the Chiefs draft. Because when you're drafting at that level, you're drafting 29, 30, 31, 32, right? Those kind of guys aren't going to make the same impact that Pat Mahomes does. Throwing 50 freaking touchdowns. And this season it was 41 touchdowns and 5,000 yards and all that. You can say screw the draft picks when it gets to be that point. But the Eagles and the Rams didn't do all those things. The Rams or the Eagles certainly didn't say, you know, we're putting all of our poker chips in. They still built through the draft. How'd the Rams acquire Jordan Davis? They drafted him. How'd they acquire Nicobe Dean? They drafted him. How'd they require how'd they acquire uh Devontae Smith? They drafted him. How'd they acquire 
Jalen Hurts. They drafted him. Still have to build that way. You still have to have the solid footing of you build through the draft. And that's why I say, in our particular case, in this particular franchise, that's why you can't mortgage everything. Yes, it's frustrating. Yes, we need to be a playoff team. Yes, we need to turn the corner. But you you have to still do it a fundamental way. That's what's get that what gets lost about the way the Rams were built in years past. You know, only when you were a Super Bowl team could you say, "Well, now we don't have draft picks." And yet the MVP of the Super Bowl and the guy that was their, you know, dynamic defensive player were still all guys that they drafted. All right, going to wrap things up with a love TKO. Up next, Chuck Green, the Kia Studios. Sports Radio, 910 The Game, the Odyssey.com app. I want to know what's been going on in your life. Talk to me, baby. Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game. Chakra Show, wrapping things up as we always do with that love TKO. We'll get you ready for uh, what's coming up tomorrow. But before we do anything else, though, we got to let you listen to what is the greatest opening lyric in all of music history. Looking back, oh, mama, years, I guess I shed some tears. So we will be back tomorrow. Short show. We got uh, Hawks in Utah tomorrow. So. 8.30 pregame, 9 o'clock tip. Steve Holman and uh, Mike uh, Mike Connie will have the call with uh, all of that. So we'll be here from 7 to 8.30. So we, uh, we'll wrap up the week tomorrow, and then uh, we'll obviously start up with Super Bowl week as we get ready for the uh, Super Bowl next week or next weekend. Uh, watch a little bit of this East-West Shrine game that's going on. Of course, the Falcons were all over this with the coaching and everything like that, so uh, can't really – tell enough about what's going on or who the players are and everything like that. But um, uh, certainly the Senior Bowl is coming up this weekend uh, as well. So uh, some of these, you know, exhibition games to get guys ready for the NFL draft are coming along, and it won't be long before we get into the Combine. Um, So that'll be in Indianapolis. So that'll be a big TV event. So we'll see if if Stetson Bennett decides to go to the Combine for – all of that, but certainly wasn't at the Senior Bowl. Jim Nagy all butthurt about all of it, but certainly wasn't at the Senior Bowl, but we'll see if he goes to the Combine. Then, of course, you know, all of your workouts and things like that for your uh, individual, you know, with your uh, for your teams, your programs and stuff like that uh, uh, that'll be on campus and stuff. And, um, you know, certainly the, uh, the uh, NFL coaches will be at Georgia's Pro Day, Alabama's Pro Day. Those are always the big ones, so we'll see what uh, what happens with all of that. So we'll see how Stetson, once Stetson gets into some competition, you know, or just kind of his evaluation process, what people think about everything with him. So anyway, we uh, we got to get out of here. We uh, will be back tomorrow for a short show. But for Dylan, it's Chuckery. We'll see you, AMF.
of time and have a change of mind. 